Good morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. You can see our theme for the year on the screen behind me. The power of one, and we are certainly excited that you're the one that's here today. We have several visitors with us this morning. Uh, you're our honored guest. I know Janita and I are privileged to have all five of our children and most of their families here with us this morning. We're, if you're visiting with us, we pray that you'll stay around long enough that we can get to know you better. We'll have classes this afternoon at 5 o'clock. There's a friendship register on each pew. We'd like to get a record of everyone's attendance. Since there's no worship bulletin, let me share with you who's going to be leading us in our worship today. Brother Jonathan Timms will be leading our singing. We're glad to have him visiting with us today. Brother Dennis Miller will have our opening prayer. Brother Chris Langley, the scripture reading. Brother Ken Forrest, the message of the hour. Adam Carlson will be directing us as we observe the Lord's Supper. And Brother Todd Sweeney will have announcements in our closing prayer. I found out a few minutes ago that uh, Sister Wynell Thompson is in the Tupelo Hospital. And so as we begin, let's begin in prayer and we'll remember her. Our loving Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we can assemble this morning to worship Thee. We know that You're all-powerful. We are so thankful for Your love, for Your mercy, for Your willingness to forgive us. We pray that our worship this morning would be pleasing in your sight. We pray your special care would to be with Sister Wynell Thompson. We pray, if it is your will, that you would heal her, help her to be restored to us. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Praise the O God, O Son. 
before we go to God in prayer, we'll sing all I hope. I know this might be still uh, somewhat new to some. <laughs> I know it may be new to some. I know Jeremy said he tried to uh, teach it once or twice. It is very easy to, uh, to learn, especially since the first time through, we're all singing unison. So if you don't know it, it's very easy to grab onto, and uh, we'll learn it together. Let us go to our Father in prayer.
Our most heavenly and gracious Father, it is once upon again, Father, we as your humble servants have approached our throne of grace, truth, and mercy. Father, it is once again, Father, we come before thee at this hour with bowed heads and humble hearts, giving thee the thanks, Father, for your many, many blessings that you have so richly bestowed upon us. We thank thee, Father, for this golden opportunity that has been granted to us this morning to come out and to sing songs of praise to thee and to worship thee in spirit and in truth. Father, we thank thee, Father, for thy darling son, Jesus, who have came and died so that we all may live. We ask of thee right now, Father, if it be thy will, Father, that you would be with Brother Ken as he Give ready to come to us shortly to break to us the bread of life. Give him, Father, ready recollection of the things that he have prepared, Father, that he will present it in a way this morning that we all may be able to understand. But most of all, Father, that he will present it in a way that it will be pleasing and acceptable unto thee. And Father, we ask that if it be thy will that you will go with us now to the furtherance of the service here this morning. Father, we hope, trust, and pray that the things that we do and the things that we say be pleasing and acceptable unto thee. Asking also a special prayer at this time, Father, for the sick that's among us. Father, we know that you know who they are. We ask that you would be with them, be with the ones that administer and aid and care for them and to them. We ask, and Father, that you would be with those families that are in bereavement at this time. Comfort them, Father, as only you can, and help them too to continue to look to thee for which thy strength and thy help come. And Father, we ask, and also a special prayer at this time, Father, for our elders. Father, we ask, and that you would be with them. Father, be with them as they watch over and guide the flock. Be with our deacons, Father, and be with the teachers ministers and father and all of the members we just ask that you would be with us help us father all to do the things in a way that it would be pleasing and acceptable unto thee and then we ask and father that you would bless our nation leaders of it them to look to thee father for the decisions that they made that it would be best for all of us and we ask and father god that if it be thy will that you would forgive us what we have failed in we ask him that if it be thy will, Father, that when we come down to the end of this old life journey, this old world can not afford us a home any longer. We hope, trust, and pray, Father God, that we can hear thee say, Well done, thy good and thy faithful servant. And Father, we ask in all these and many blessings. In Christ's name we pray, and amen. If you'd like to mark in your hymnal number 903, number 903 will be our song of invitation after Brother Ken's lesson this morning. Uh, Brother Ken will be preaching on the power of prayer this morning, and to get our minds ready for that, we'll, we'll sing about counting our many blessings, number 742. Again, if you would stand with me as we sing together, please.
to your Bibles to James, the fifth chapter, James 5, verses 17 through 18. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, the uh, New King James is presented on the board. <clears throat> James writes, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might, might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the, earth gave, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Thanks, Chris. Good morning to everyone. There are a lot of little babies in here today. So just let them cry. Let them shout. Because we love to hear babies here, don't we? Now, if you're an adult and you start that, hey, you, you find your way out there. But those little babies, we're just glad you're here. And I know that we have a lot of family groups together, and we're thankful that you're here and that you're part of a, a family that honors God today. So we're glad that you've meshed your family with ours to participate in our worship. At the same time, we undoubtedly have some families who are traveling, and we pray for their safety in returning, but we're just don't you just love this time of year? I think this is probably my favorite time of year. It truly is a period of thanks without too much commercialism, although it seems like Christmas is encroaching on my Thanksgiving. Nevertheless, I just I love being together with family and friends over this holiday. I really hate to hear that Wynell is ill, and I'm not going to tell you her age, but I'm just going to tell you she looks a whole lot younger than she actually is. So when she's sick and away from us, we just, we really miss her, and we do pray that she is restored to her health very quickly. And then this morning, one of our visitors, Amanda Snyder, who is our oldest son's girlfriend, uh, she developed just some extreme stomach pains and has a fever along that, with that. So Drew took her to one of those critical care kind of places up in Corinth this morning. They're, they're there right now. So we're also praying that she's okay. But I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. And I look forward to us talking about an important component of our Christian walk, and that is of prayer. Before we start, though, let's pray together. God will bless us in our study today. Our Father, we thank you for the time that we have now to study your word together. I pray that it will be effective on one level just to give us instruction, help us be more aware of the power that we possess in our prayer lives. But also, Lord, on another level, to understand how significant that prayer is and of the attitude that we ought to have in access, accessing the, the power that prayer has. And Lord, I, I'm just hopeful that we, for the most part, are not standing in the way of the effectiveness of our prayers. 
So if there are some things that we can learn today that will help us to be better, then please draw our attention to that. And I pray that we'll put those things into practice so that we can be effective in this life on this side of eternity with our communication with you. Uh, As we sang just now together, we are thankful for every blessing that comes. And Father, if, if we have failed to offer our thanks to you, it is just simply probably because of just the abundance of so many good things. And Lord, be patient with us as we just try to assess our lives in light of the beautiful relationship that we have with you. And at the top of the list of things we're thankful for is your son, without whom it would be impossible even for us to meet here today and certainly to be able to have a relationship with you. Lord, forgive our missteps and help us to draw ever closer to you, and especially today through an access of communication and prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I was speaking with someone a few days ago. We were just talking about events that had transpired, and he was sharing with me an event that had happened, and a lot of people had been contacted through social media and other outlets soliciting prayers for this situation that had developed. He said, you know, I'm, I'm going to guess that there were thousands and thousands of prayers that were offered on behalf of this situation. And he turned to me and he asked, how many prayers do you think it took before God actually paid attention to it and acted on it? And I said, one. There may have been thousands and thousands of prayers offered. And there may be situations in which you are asked to pray about a situation. But I have every confidence that if just one faithful person will pray about a situation, that God will hear and he will respond. To me, that's the power of prayer. And I guess in keeping with our theme for the year, the power of one, it really only takes one of us with a heart that's conditioned in the right way, the right attitude, to be able to affect God's decision over anything according to his own will. I'm thinking that for you and me, really, The whole matter involves our participation itself. I'd gone to a lectureship one time and one of the speakers was asked to speak on the subject for which he felt needed most attention. And so as he stood at the pulpit, he made a confession to all of us. He said that At one point in his ministry, someone had asked him what was the one thing, if he could go back and change it, that he would go and change in his ministry. What one thing would have made all the difference? And I'm sitting in the audience and thinking about myself in that. And so I ran through a few things that were obvious to me. Maybe he would have wished he had studied more. Or maybe he should have made more visits in his ministry. 
been with the sick or those who were suffering in some way. But he said of all the things that he regretted, the one thing that he wished he could go back and change was the amount of time that he had spent in prayer. Because he believed that prayer was the avenue through which all of these other situations could have been handled. If he had just had a closer relationship and fellowship and communication with God himself. I want, I want all of us today to begin to think about how it is that I personally, that one person of prayer, how it is that I can personally tap into the awesome and world-changing effects, the power of prayer. So through the process of that, I, I want to talk about our access to prayer. How, how is it that I can, just all by myself, if no one else prays about it, how is it that I can affect change when I go before the throne of God? The first thing that I would tell us to do is to pray submissively. To be submissive means that I have humbled myself before someone else. Now, Jesus addresses this exact thing in the book of Luke chapter 18. At verse 9, we find out that it is a parable directed toward those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus, with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice in the week, give alms of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner." I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For he who exhausts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus gives a principle that is going to be uttered using different words at times, but over and over again, the same concept is emphasized. Humility is lifted up by God. Pride is pushed down to its lowest depth. In this case, here is a representative of the religion of Israel. The very person that most folks would say is the depiction of holiness in the midst of all of our sin. In fact, they even dressed the part. And often they would be surrounded by a contingent of folks that just kept those sinners at bay so that he wouldn't somehow defile himself. And now as he stands in the temple, the place of worship before God, the text says that he didn't pray to God. He prayed thus to himself. He had exalted himself as being God's greatest gift. And Jesus says, no, it, it isn't that pompous act that has the attention of God. 
It's actually that one who had slithered in here, perhaps along the edges of the temple, so as not to be noticed and certainly not to become in range of defilement for that Pharisee. The one who is so overwhelmed by his own sin that he falls down before the presence of God, not even able to lift his face as though in a respectful holy, uh, promising aspect of return to God, but just in the very pit and the valley of his own sin, he admits his sin and cries for the mercy of God. That, my friends, is a heart that has been brought down into submission. Okay, I get that. The sinner who's brought low by his sin, he comes to recognize his his sin, and so he humbles himself before God. But what about what Jesus does? In Matthew 26, verse 39, Oh, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Lest anyone forget who it was that Jesus was serving in his earthly ministry. Lest someone forget that that Jesus came to do the works of the Father. Jesus, right here in, in this defining moment, Uh, The transition between what had been, you know, a thriving ministry and all this potential and opportunity now facing the cross and Jesus has humbled himself before the Father. There is a lashing that's on the way very shortly. There is a, a... exhausting walk from the place of his beating to his crucifixion, let alone the, the raising up of, of, of his body having been nailed to that cross and the blood being shed and of all of the abuse that is hurled upon him in the midst of all of that. Okay. I'm submissive to the will of the father. I'm still as humble now as I was as a babe in the manger and the angels singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That is Jesus' same attitude as now he faces the cross. Not as I will, but as you will. Before we ever utter the first words in our prayer, let's be certain that as we are approaching the Father, that we are approaching him with a submissive heart whose design is not to somehow force our will upon the mind of the father, but to submit ourselves to his leading and to his direction. And then once we've done that, set our mind to be submissive, then when we offer that prayer, let's offer that prayer with an expectant heart. I know that what it is that I am uttering according to the will of the Father as I submit myself to him is going to be answered. In the book of James chapter 1 verses 5 and following, if anyone lacks 
wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without reproof, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a, he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So in the context here, we, we are looking at our lives and the circumstances that we face, and we are actually expressing joy in the midst of trial and difficulty. And we're like, you know what? I, I'm sure that I'm supposed to have that demeanor about me, but to be honest, what I'm experiencing right now, I just can't quite wrap my mind around. I can't see the joy in it for sure. And so Lord, help me. Okay, really? Is that really what you want? Isn't it that you want to just kind of wallow in that self-pity for a minute? No, Lord, seriously. I want to be able to get through this. So what I'm asking for is not just you to, to zap me with a sense of perseverance through this trial. What, what I would like to have instead is wisdom to see it through. He says, if, if you have that intent, that assertion, that, that truthfulness of heart. You've humbled yourself to accept the situation and say, Lord, just help me wrap my mind around it. Help me to have the wisdom to persevere through this. He says, if that is your true intent, then I'm going to give you that. But don't you come asking that with no true intent in your heart. Because he says, that's like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. Don't even expect that I'm going to give in response to that wishy-washy display. Jesus said it another way in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 7. He said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Are you coming to the Father with your request? Ask it, seek it, knock on that door. Because God loves his children, he is going to be responding in the affirmative. In response to that, just simply the knowledge, he says, believe it. You know, it's not just, okay, I'm going to go through the rote process of asking God these things. He says to ask, so I'll ask. Now, he probably won't do it, but I'll ask anyway. No, no. Actually, the demeanor or the, the set of our mind is to believe that those things are going to transpire. In fact, very bluntly, in Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, Jesus says, if you ask believing, you're going to receive. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, kind of that caveat that's floating around here in the mix of all of these teachings is John's statement that, yeah, whatever you ask, you're going to receive if it's asked according to his will. Okay, we've, we've basically come full circle in our first two points, Right? 
Because that was our first assertion. I'm offering this according to the will of the Father. I'm not saying my will or no way, you know. My will or forget it. I'm saying, Father, I'm submitting myself to your will. Now, as I have come humbly, submissively in your presence, I'm offering this up. And, And here's the attitude of my mind and my heart. I am expecting that if I'm asking this according to your will, if it fits within your plan, then I am in full expectation that you're going to respond and answer this prayer. Okay, so I'm going to do it with the right submissive heart. I'm going to expect that God's going to respond. And then I am not going to quit. I'm going to pray persistently. I'm not going to stop. Now, some people will flavor this idea a little bit with Matthew 6 and verse 7. That's where Jesus says, and when you pray, you shall not use vain repetition like the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So they'll take that statement and say, well, I don't know, Ken, persistent prayer. Look, if I've offered it to God once, that ought to be enough, right? Perhaps. But this text from Matthew chapter 6 isn't telling us that we shouldn't continue to bring our concerns before the Father. Actually, the idea of a vain repetition is the idea of offering up a useless notion, something that I really don't care about. I'm just kind of going through the motions of offering up maybe even a rote prayer. I speak it over and over and over again. It's the same words every single time, one right after the other. My heart's not really in this. I'm just uttering words, hoping I hit the target once in a while. Jesus said the heathen think they're going to get something from their God by just the continual flow of words. No, no. That isn't how it happens. Again, we are fashioning this thing according to the will of God, but the persistent attitude. I want to look at two passages, and we'll not explore them in depth. I just want to get the sense of them. One is found in Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 9. This is one of two parables we're going to see. The other one's over in Luke 18, I'll mention here in a moment. In this first setting, you have the friend, and let's just say it's you. You're the friend. You're kind of sitting around one night, it's midnight, you're ready to go to bed, and a friend of yours who's on a journey shows up unexpectedly. They're knocking on the door, they need some help. You don't have anything in the cupboard. And so you go over to the house of one of your close friends who's already in the bed, got the door locked up, the kids are spread out throughout the house, in the bed with them, all of the animals are set low, it's quiet and dark, and all of a sudden there's the rapping on the door at midnight. Your friend is there in that house all settled, and he is not likely to get up. You stand at the door, you say, hey, I just need three loaves of bread. And he is like, forget it. The door is locked. We're in the bed. Go away. You persist and you say, but my other friend came by. Maybe you remember me talking about him. Could you just help me out a little bit? He says, no, (laughs) I don't care your friends over here. I'm getting up for you. But as you continue knocking on that door, 
Guess what he will do? Not because he wants to help you out with your friend, but because he wants you to stop asking. He will come and not just give you three loaves. He'll give you all that you want. The second parable is found in Luke chapter 18. Actually, this precedes the parable we looked at a moment ago. It's in the first eight verses. Now, in this text, you've got a parable that, that the purpose of which is to help people to always pray and not lose heart. Doesn't that make sense? That's what I want to do when I pray. I want to know that God hears and that I'm not wasting my time. He says, here's what you do. Here is the answer to praying and knowing that you haven't wasted your time. It is perseverance in that prayer. Let God know continually over and over again how important this thing is to you. And he sets the stage. He says, you know, there is this judge in a certain country He doesn't fear God and he doesn't regard men. In other words, he has respect for nobody. He does what he wants to do, whatever it is that he sees is right. But there's this poor little widow out there. Most people would have favored her. Not this hard-hearted man. But this poor, poor widow, she has an adversary and she wants a judgment against the adversary. Just help me out in my poor circumstance. And the judge, he is continually just pushing her back. He don't want to hear it. But because that woman continually comes before and literally the the judge says, she troubles me because she just gets under his skin with this continual asking and asking and asking. Finally, the judge will give her a judgment just to get her to go away and stop. And then Jesus says, you know what? (laughs) You think about that scenario in a similar fashion is our Father in heaven who hears the cries of his elect day and night. And he says, here's what God will do. God will hasten his response to their prayers. Now, here's what I get out of that. Okay, so you and I, we have gone to God in a submissive attitude. We have humbled ourselves. We're saying, Lord, your will, not my will be done. I submit myself to whatever your plan is. Now, I'm telling you something about the plan of God. God's plan can go for ages long, or God can have a short period of time in which he's going to work his work. I don't know the span of time. Sometimes it happens within our lifetime. Sometimes it seems like it happens in the course of a day or weeks. Maybe it's not even in our lifetime. Maybe it goes into further generations. God's will, however long it takes to accomplish, is going to be accomplished. So I submit myself to that. But I, within the course of the will, the unfolding of God, have a petition that I want to offer to God. And I go to God with the expectation that whatever it is that I'm asking that fits within the framework of the will of God as it is unfolding over time, that he absolutely will hear it. And now I get this other little piece of information. That if in the course of my asking God about this petition that fits within the course of his will, instead of, for instance, his will is going to be affected 
into several generations, maybe the plea that I have made and the circumstance that I have presented to God and the humility and the understanding that I'm going to let his will be done. I'm not going to be frustrated or, or put out by his decision, but just in the off chance that, that asking this God indeed will respond because I know that he hears and believes in my case that God, instead of affecting that change in generations to come, might even yet affect that change now in response to the plea that I have made. Ken, how many pleas would it take? Thousands and thousands? I don't think so. I think the pleas of one can affect the change of the mind and the heart of God. Not affect the change of God's will. No. I've already submitted myself to that. But now humbly seeing myself within the framework of that will, I'm asking God to act on this thing, whatever it is. He says, persist, and God will act speedily on your behalf. But let me throw something else in here, in this little mix of things that we're trying to establish for ourselves. And that is, to pray unselfishly. James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. You lust and do not have. You murder and covenant and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not have because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Let's just stop here for a moment. Why is it that I am asking God this? Why am I asking him to change something that may have, have extended over generations? Why am I asking him to act now as opposed to later? Why? I need to do a little self-examination here, right? Am I doing it so I can get the praise for it? Am I doing it so that my name will be great? Why? Am I promoting this change? Why do I want God to hear me? It had better be an unselfish motivation. You know, in the description of all those prayers, the types of prayers that were not acceptable by God in Jesus' description in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus actually does tell us how to pray to God. And I, I leave that description to this point because I do not know of a prayer as unselfish as this prayer is in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. And when you pray, pray this way. And I want you to notice the direction that this prayer goes. Who do we point the finger to? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I want to stop right here because I want to give us a little sensitivity training. Here is the section where we're going to say, this is where I ask for stuff. But note this very carefully. This is not so much an asking of stuff 
as it is of the recognition of the God who blesses. Give us, in other words, Lord, you give us, the giver of all things, give us this day our daily bread. You give us that. We can't do it. We're dependent on you. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I I can't forgive myself, but then as he will go on to explain, if I don't forgive others, the Father isn't going to forgive me. So my relationship with the others is very much hinging on, or my relationship with the Father is very much hinging on my relationship with others. My whole disposition of forgiveness is made possible because I recognize His forgiving me. So again, it's not pointing at me, oh, woe is me and my sin I need forgiven, but Lord, more than likely is the sense, I thank you for the attitude you have toward me and forgiving me as a sinner. Forgive us as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us, you lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Again, the sense of the Lord's involvement in my life. Boy, I can stumble into all kinds of messes. But Lord, with your leadership, take take me somewhere else. And don't let Satan have his effect on me. Because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Not mine. Wait, that was the end, right? We went from the top to the bottom with an emphasis on the Father. Every single point is that. Jesus says, in this manner, you should be praying. And we've analyzed it lots of times. You know, here's an introductory. We're lifting God up. Uh, We're thanking for this and that. We're offering our petition. But you want to take it to its very central most point, and that is God. You. You. We tuck ourselves out of it. In fact, in the petition that we're offering, even with the audacity to ask, Lord, could you change this or that within the course of your will? Again, I ask you, why would we ask it? Is it it selfish? Or is it, as this prayer was even doing, to the absolute glory of God the Father? Let's glorify God in our prayer. And then let's pray fervently. Now that comes from the verse that precedes the ones that we read in James chapter 5. Here he says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I think it's kind of interesting. We tend to parse that out a little bit. We say effective and fervent. And we talk about those as though those are two descriptors of the prayer. And in fact, what it is, is the English is trying to describe for us one Greek word that's describing this kind of prayer. It's it's effective and it's a fervent prayer. Okay. What does that mean exactly? Some of the senses that come out of this original word are pretty interesting, I think. It talks about the idea of stretching in the sense that you you have a normalcy about a thing and what you're trying to do is to stretch it, to pull it apart, to pull it out, to make more out of it. I'm going to God in prayer to make more out of it. 
And then another sense of this word is the idea of boiling, to boil. You know what happens to water as it's boiling. It just, it, it just is kind of even. It's not moving. And then all of a sudden, as the temperature begins to rise, you start to see it moving just a little bit. And when it comes to a full boil, that gas pro- protrudes out and splashes water everywhere. It's, it's amazing. That is the sense of our praying for one another, he says. We're expanding the horizon. It is like we're boiling up. We're filled with fervency for one another. That sounds to me like there is an emotional investment that's taking place in our prayer life. Let's say the person's name is Bob. I don't know. Seems like a good name. Bob's been sick. We contact Bob. We say, Bob, I'm praying for you. And then Bob gets better and you see him back there. Oh, wait a minute. Forgot to pray for Bob. So as you're walking the aisle to go greet Bob and welcome him back, you say unto your breath, uh, dear Lord, uh, uh, please help Bob. Thank you for helping Bob. Amen. Bob, been praying for you. So glad to see you here today. Does that sound like fervency? Does that sound like real intention? Does that sound like somebody who within the framework of the will of God is begging God to do something? Not to me. Sounds kind of fake. Paul said this in Philippians 1, verses 3 and 4. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, giving thanks for you all with joy. I love that. In fact, sometimes I will take that text and uh, note it in a card. Now, if you get a card from me that's got that text on it, here's what I want you to know. That I truly mean what I say. When I think of you, I thank God for you. Sometimes, though, it's just the sentiment, right? We say, yeah, praying for you. So good to see you. Blah, blah, blah. It just seems like a social courtesy. That is not what prayer is. Prayer is not a social courtesy. We don't put people on the prayer list just to be nice. We put them on that list because we want to, within the framework of the will of God, with such humility, we we humble ourselves to present our petition before God. God, will this fit within your plan to your glory? And we are submissive to his answer. We're expecting that God is going to do something. We know not what, but actually the answer doesn't matter as much as the confidence that we have that our Father hears us and he acts on our behalf. And now we come with great fervency. We are stretching the bonds, the limits, the boundaries. We are bowling over, Lord, help them in their spiritual trial. And we're expecting to hear a response, right? Paul said, boy, I pray for you. And just in case they wondered, what does he pray about? Being in verse nine, he says, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Question, you think God wants that for them? Just nod your head this way. 
Doesn't God want that for us too? Nod your head this way. Of course he does. When you utter a prayer out of fervency and sincerity of heart for a brother or sister in affliction with a true desire that through this experience, God will be glorified. Will he heal that prayer? Absolutely yes. And how many will it take? A thousand? Two thousand? Will it take a million prayers for God to effect his change? I submit to you today, it will only take one. Hey, if you don't get anything else from this sermon today, here's what I'd like you to take away. Just simply pray. We think of Elijah as the greatest of the prophets. And so it seems. There on the Mount of Transfiguration, there's Jesus, there's Moses, and Elijah. The greatest of the prophets. He could work miracles. Wow. But James says, that Elijah, he's just like us. He is just like us. And here's what Elijah did. Elijah went and he prayed to God that it not rain for three years and six months. And in response to his prayer, a prayer that was offered in submission to God with great expectation that God would hear it, a prayer that was persistent, hear me, O Lord, hear me, a prayer that was unselfish, for the benefit of his nation and a prayer that was offered according to this text earnestly or another word the translation that Chris used fervently when that prayer was offered according to those conditions God heard it and it didn't rain and then with those same conditions in place he prayed to God again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced fruit A man just like us. How many does it take? Just one. Is your prayer life powerful? If it's not, it can be. If we will set our hearts to these conditions, our prayers will move heaven and earth. God will guarantee that according to his will. Have you got some things standing in the way of your prayer life? struggles spiritually. Maybe there's some hindrances you wish all of us would take up as concerns. Today, we will take those to the very throne of God, all of us with fervency on your behalf. Maybe you're not a child of God. Today can open up an entirely new avenue for you. As a child of God, God will hear your prayers. If you'll obey the gospel, have your sins washed away. That takes place in obedient faith. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith that He is truly the Son of God, that God raised Him from the dead today, can be buried in water, have your sins washed away, rise in newness of life. If anybody needs to respond today for any reason, now is your opportunity to do so. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing.
result of being screened. For you and those will be passed to you if you will make that known. And while we are, while that is being done, I want us to take a moment and direct our thoughts as we 
think about Jesus and his sacrifice, and as we do upon each and every first day of the week, I want us to consider what the disciple and apostle Peter tells us concerning the character of Jesus, beginning in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. He says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. When Jesus came, we were given the absolute best. Words fell us to describe that level of perfection, but yet God achieved that in sending his only begotten son. And with that in mind, let us go to our God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come. We thank you so much for sending your only begotten and perfect son into this world to take on human form, to live as a man, and to show us by his example how we ought to live. But most importantly, we thank you for him giving his life for us so that we might have the forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternal life and a home with you. As we partake of these emblems, and especially the spread, as we remember his suffering, may we do it in such a way that we reflect upon that and that we will always be grateful for all good things that you give us. And for this we ask, and in Christ's name, amen. In verse 24 of 1 Peter chapter 2, he goes on to tell us, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Again, referring to his death, referring to his physical suffering so that we could be spiritually cleansed, having that hope and that promise of eternal life. And again, as we prepare to partake of this, remembering his blood that he shed, let us once more go to our God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come again thanking you for all that you have given us. And again, we thank you for the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, your son, so that we might have the forgiveness of sins and the hope and the promise, again, of a home with you someday. As we partake of this fruit of the vine, may we do it again in a worthy manner that will bring honor unto you 
And may we always remember the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. And for this we ask, and in Christ's name, amen. And also at this time, we want to remember our material blessings as well, as I'm sure we have been reflecting upon for the past few days with the observance of the Thanksgiving holiday. But as we do that, let's remember to set aside for what God has revealed to us to be able to carry on the work of the church and the things pertaining unto it. And of course, we have several options made available to us for to be able to uh, carry out that purpose. You can see that on screen there and utilize whichever option may suit you best. But regardless, let us remember our material blessings and let us go in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, again, we come and we thank you so much for all things you've given us. We thank you for giving us the means and the ability to work and to be able to not only provide for the necessities of our loved ones and ourselves, but most importantly, to be able to give a portion back unto you so that the work of the church may continue. And again, we ask you to grant wisdom and discernment to our elders as they periodically make decisions about how these funds are to be distributed and that in all things may your name be glorified and may we give all honor and praise unto you. And for this we ask and in Christ's name, amen. morning. I know we have several visiting with us this morning. We're glad to have you as well as I know we have a lot of our church family that are out of town visiting others. Just ask that you remember those uh, in your prayers. We had 314 in attendance this morning. Uh, Bible Bowl will not meet today. I don't have any more announcements other than what Brother Jim covered this morning. I, I do I know there's an extensive list on there. Those are needed prayers, so keep those in mind. Uh, if you will, if you'll bow, I'll dismiss us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we're thankful for the opportunity we've had to come and worship you in song and praise. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your church here at Boonville and its many members, its elders, and its preachers, and the work that they strive to do all for your cause. Father, we know we have many that will be traveling to and from here on their way homes or on their way back homes. Father, we ask that you keep a guided hand on them and help them to have a safe return. Father, we thankful for our leaders here at our church, at your church at Boonville, and we ask to tend you to be with them and help them to guide us in a way that pleasing unto thee. 
Father, as we ask you to go with us throughout the rest of this upcoming week, that we may live and work and play in a manner that be pleasing unto thee. Most of all, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who died a cruel death on the cross, that we might have forgiveness of our sins and an opportunity of home in heaven with thee one day. It's through Jesus Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. <laughs>